Enjoy this flyover clip. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who's on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. Let when the one who is field not go back. Uh, pray that your flight uh, may not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation. We'll, we'll, we'll stop right there. So many people, well, that hasn't happened yet. Well, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know what abomination actually means? Well, you do a study of the abomination, and there's all different interpretations of it. But you know what? Uh, and, and even within my viewpoint, there are different views about what that means. But let me just sort of... Uh, I'm going to take the easy route on this one because it's it's sort of like there's another passage where Jesus tells us what it means. <laughs> We've already read it. Luke 21, it's the same sermon, but there's he's saying things a little differently. And understand this. Matthew is written to Jews. It's heavily Jewish symbolism, so they use Jewish concepts. Abomination of desolation. But Luke is writing to mostly Gentiles, and Gentiles wouldn't know okay. Jewish concepts as well, like abomination of desolation. What's that? So I think Luke is sort of he's giving the same sermon, talking about the same sermon. You can compare it, uh, but he he says something differently. He says instead of when the abomination of desolation is standing where it ought not, he says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know that its desolation is near. Ah, there's that word desolation. So. So I think Luke is basically saying the abomination of desolation is uh, Jerusalem surrounded by pagan armies in particular, because the original abomination of desolation in, in Daniel, as you know, it's referring to that pagan, you know, Antiochus Epiphanes, right? And he was a pagan and he, he was a abomination of desolation to God. So, so Jesus is saying the abomination of desolation is when Jerusalem surrounded by armies. And that's when the desolation is near. And we've already set up, we've already proven from the text that the desolation of Jerusalem happened in AD 70. And that's what Jesus is talking about. So however, however you're going to interpret it, Jesus himself has said the abomination of desolation is Jerusalem surrounded by armies. And that happened in AD 70. But here's the other component of that. If you're in Judea, flee to the mountains. Those are on a housetop. Don't go down and take, just leave. If you're in the field, leave. Like, that can't happen today. <laughs> if you you can't flee the mountains and get away from their vision of the Antichrist who's taken over the world with all the technology, fleeing the mountains isn't going to help you at all, right? And 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 besides, uh, pray this not on winter or Sabbath. Who keeps that any these days anyway? But yeah. it does make sense in the first century because oh, and and pregnant women, right? Because Rome was coming down upon Jerusalem. And when they found out that was happening, they had to get out because it was happening. And they and actually, there is a um, a famous uh, Christian ancient church father who who writes about that this this event actually did happen. Um, and it's Eusebius in his histories three five. He says the people of the church in Jerusalem had been commanded by revelation um, before the war the war of, of Rome to leave the city and dwell in a certain town of Perea called Pella. And when those that believed in Christ had come from thither from Jerusalem as the royal city of the Jews and the whole land of Judea, they were entirely destitute of holy men. The judgment of God at length overtook those who had committed such outrages against the Christ and his apostles and totally destroyed that generation of impious men. So Eusebius was clearly saying that, this passage in Matthew was fulfilled because the Christians did escape from Jerusalem. So here's the key. Jesus is saying judgment is coming 
and you know it, so get out of the city. And the Christians did leave the city of Jerusalem, and they had time back then, and they could hide in the mountains back then, but it would be of no value now. And Sabbath was often, they kept the Sabbath that, at that time, and so it was a very yeah. uh, difficult thing to, to do for them to do if they had to do that, right? And you'd been able to know days or maybe weeks before if a large army was coming, you know, it, those are kind of You would have time. Word, now word you would come, yeah. Now yeah, it's by the way, a, a jet or something. Yeah, and remember, this is still all about Jerusalem, isn't it? This is still all about Jerusalem being destroyed. So the context just continues to reiterate. Now you get to the next one, though, where it goes, ah, but then there will be great tribulation. Now we're, now the great tribulation, such has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human would be saved. But for the elect, those days will be cut short. So... Oh, after that is the next passage that I was knew I was looking for it, where it says, if anyone says, look, here is the Christ, there he is, don't believe it. And if they perform great signs, uh, and if they say, look, he is in the wilderness, do, do not go out. That's right after what we're talking about here. So that's where that passage was. Okay. And that was applied to the first century. So great tribulation. Okay. All right. Great tribulation has obviously never happened. And I get lots of people telling me this all the time saying like, like, well, that obviously hasn't happened yet because nothing pales compared to this. The Holocaust is not as bad as this. Nothing is as bad as this. Well, actually, if you look in the text, uh, you realize that it actually did happen and their assumptions about how the greatness of the tribulation are misinterpreted. Okay. He says, such has not been from the beginning of the world now, nor shall ever be. So they're thinking like, well, this is, this is now a literalism again. This is a literalism. And so World War II wasn't even this, or, or I'm sorry, um, uh, World War II was, was worse. You know, like if you're saying this happened in the first century, I can point to a lot of things like World War II and the Holocaust who are worse than that century. No, you can't, because those were not as not as bad, spiritually speaking. And the Bible is talking about history spiritually from the perspective of God and his covenant. He's not talking about from the perspective of world wars and stuff like that. He's talking about spiritual, and I'll prove it right now. Such has not been from the beginning of the world now, no, never will be. This is a idiom. It's not a, it's not a scientific literalism. It's an idiom that has actually been used in the Bible and in different ways to prove that it's not talking about literalism and get a load of this. The it, it's used of the first, okay. The temple's going to be destroyed. Right. And now he's reiterating a language that Ezekiel used when the first temple was destroyed. We're now in the second temple in the first century, but the first temple back in was destroyed in five uh, 538 BC, uh, siege of Jerusalem started in 538 BC and the temple was destroyed in 586 BC by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And here's what Ezekiel says, because of all your abominations, talking to Israel, there it is again, abominations, because of all your abominations, I will do with you what I have never yet done and the like of which I will never do again. There it is the same language, but think about this. If you read back in Ezekiel, that's 5.9, the context is he's talking about God's going to judge you, destroy Jerusalem and the temple. And he's using the same language of the same context. So now Jesus is saying the same language because he's mimicking Ezekiel, isn't he, about the destruction of the temple, isn't he? But if you take it literally, you have to say, well, Ezekiel's saying it will never do it again. But it, Jesus is clearly saying it will happen again. So if you take these terms literally, 
you're in deep trouble. You're saying the Bible contradicts itself. And I'm saying it doesn't because it's not literal. It's hyperbole. And it's talking about the spiritual seriousness of this event. Okay. You know, I, um, and obviously I, I don't believe God contradicts himself. So we always use idioms like, you know, I mean, even still today, we use idioms that are like extreme and hyperbolic, right? You know, like the whole world blew up on at 9-11, you know, or whatever. The world turned upside down at 9-11 or this was the worst murder. This was the crime of the century. How many times have you heard the crime of the century, you know? And so it's like, this is common language. It's not just ancient, but as a matter of fact, when you see the scripture itself using the language, what, what more can you say? In Daniel 9, 12, again, Daniel's also referring to the same destruction of Jerusalem and the temple of the first, of the first uh, temple. He says, Daniel 9, 12, he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers by bringing upon us a great calamity. He's referring to the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple by the Babylonians. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. There it is again. It's the same hyperbolic language. Now, um, so that's just the setup for that phrase. There's other examples where like, uh, you know, in the Bible, it talks about um, it, this kind of hyperbole is used a lot. Um, like, like percentage of Jews. I mean, I, I'm just kind of speculating here, but like how big was Jerusalem in this time? Was it maybe a million people? I don't know. I'm just guessing. Yeah. I don't so, know at that time, but I mean, percentage, I mean, how many were killed then, you know, when, when, when Rome yeah. destroyed Jerusalem, I mean, oh, like, like in ratio, it probably was worse than yeah, the yeah. Holocaust. No, no. Um, Jude, uh, Josephus says about a million were killed and then several million were taken off into um, slavery. So, so but, I mean, but here's but, my but point. In, but in ratio of how many Jews there, there were, it was, you know, it was probably. Oh, but in terms of ratio, yeah. yeah maybe. In terms of but, percentage of But it doesn't have to be. My point is, is this is talking spiritually. God talks spiritually. In other words, all you know, n- nothing has been done like this from the beginning of the world now, nor ever will be. What are you talking about? Lots of things have been done that have been worse than that through history. Mm. But not if you're God talking about, no, what's done to my ch- my people and to my holy temple. That's the most important thing. Nothing else is like it. You see what I'm saying? The language God, when God talks about uh, Israel and Jerusalem, it's hyperbolic as if it's the only most important the Bible even talks about the Jerusalem as being the center of the world. It's not the center of the world, literally or physically. It is spiritually. So yes, yeah. when God talks about his covenant to people, he uses the language that says it's the most important thing because it is to him, right? So that's what this language is clearly talking about, not physical hyper-literalism. It's talking about the spiritual importance of it. But even then, it uses it in, in contradictory ways, if you take it literally in the Bible, the only way to understand it then is to understand it as an idiom that just talks about this is so serious that it is, it is, it is just nothing, almost nothing else is like it, but it happens multiple times. Are you having a hard time sleeping at night thinking, what am I going to do about my finances? You know, times are really changing. They're changing fast. Let me give you a quick example of how in 1920, if you had a $20 bill, and one ounce of gold, you could go into any men's clothing store and buy an entire suit. Wow. The jacket, the shirt, the belt, shoes, the whole bit. 
today, that's what dollar bill, what's it gonna get you? Not much. Maybe the socks, maybe a <laughs> handkerchief, but the one ounce of gold could still buy you the entire suit at any men's store in America. That's the difference. That's what inflation does to your dollar. It's a deflating dollar caused by inflation. Now today, that's happening faster than ever. You need somebody that you trust that can help get you out of a fake currency and into something that's gonna keep you safe. And we know a guy that has two PhDs by the name of Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott. We have known him for over 25 years, and he's someone we completely trust. You need somebody that you can get a hold of, somebody that's going to be there for you to get back out of it, and then maybe back into the stock market, maybe back into something else when things settle down. But right now is not that time. You need somebody that you trust and somebody you can call and make those worries go away. That's exactly right. So you can go to flyovergold.com, fill out your information for your free consultation, or you can call 720-605-3900. Do it today. You'll be glad you did. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. For more great content, go to FlyOverConservatives.com. 